0: Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. You guys aren't going to charge me for the time that we've already taken, are you? I mean, I get another 45 minutes, don't I? I'm teasing you guys. I'm teasing you guys. We care about you. Um, But I do have a word that's burning in my heart. You know, you may be wondering or maybe you've asked um, where we got our name, Vision Church, where that came from. Because, you know, we were thrust into ministry and and we didn't have time to name our church. We were just going, uh, what are we going to call the church? You know, I mean, we already had a church and we weren't, we didn't even have a name. And we were wondering about it. We were praying about it. You know, a few of us threw out a few ideas and, and, you know, but nothing really was ringing out uh, but I kind of liked vision church I thought well you know that sounds like a, a neat name but I didn't just want a name I wanted something that was an identifier that identified us and and there was a reason behind why we called it that and at that time we were having prayer on Wednesday nights praise and worship and prayer and we were just seeking God about you know Lord what's your plan for the church and I think Sharon I think it was you we were we were um we were praying, and she began to describe our ministry and how we've, she said, you guys have poured into the vision of other people. You've, you know, that's been, a, that's been a focal point for you guys, and, and I, at that time, she, you didn't know that we were even considering Vision Church, and Nicole and I and Becca are looking at each other going, Vision Church, I mean, here we've got confirmation that, and then I began to realize, man, people perish when there's not a lack, when there's not a vision. In fact, I'll read that scripture to you. It's Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. i eighteen. I'm read it to you in the Amplified. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. Listen to it in the God's Word translation. It says, without prophetic vision, people run wild. How many of you have seen some things run wild in your own life when because you didn't have a vision, you didn't have a purpose, you didn't have a target that you were going after? Um, when Nicole and I were in a conference in Texas and we heard a guy by the name of, of uh, Caldwell. What was his name? It was uh, Kirby, Kirby John Caldwell. I remember he was a Methodist minister. He was speaking at this conference. And his church had exploded. I mean, it was, he was experiencing amazing growth. And his, his wife began to talk to him about his church and what was going on. And she said, she said hey, you know, God, I, I hear all the time when you come home about vision for this department, vision for this department, vision for all these different things regarding the ministry. <clears throat> she said, what's your vision for our family? And he goes, uh, <laughs> you know, he said, and honestly, he said, I got to tell you, I, I hadn't thought of that. And I thought, man, without a vision, we perish. And so that's why our mission at the church is to help our, our, desire is to see everyone find God's vision for their life, for their family, for their marriage, for their kids. You know, God has a vision for every part, but we have to seek him to find it, right? So, because here's the big thing, when we realize that we can't be a success in this Christian life without a vision, we'll seek a vision in our life, won't we? So today, though, I I just wanted to talk to you just for a moment, just in the short time that I have left, about making quality decisions. Being decisive uh, in who you are. So if you would, would you turn in your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 25? If you brought your Bible with you, Matthew chapter 25 how many of you have ever heard anyone say God is in control? Ever heard that statement? Alright, one of you has heard that. Okay, somebody's not telling the truth. Because I've heard it a bunch of times. and Maybe you're the one that said it. How many of you i have said that? God is in control. I remember I was writing with this lady that um, she owned a building company and she owned a bunch of different property and she'd had some things happen and she was needing a piece of property to sell quickly. And so she said, I was pastoring in Louisville, Kentucky at the time. She said, Pastor Phil, would you come and go with me to my property? I want you to pray over my property. I said, okay. And so I got in the car with her, which is a very scary thing. I mean, because she was was disorganized, organized, if that's a thing. I mean, she was crazy disorganized, yet amazingly got everything done. I, I don't know how she did it. And, and that was her personality, too. And so as she is driving, I'm holding on to this handle, to this. I mean, I'm just going, oh, dear God, you know, because she is not paying attention. I mean, we are leaving the lane. You know, that was back before lane departure was even a deal on the cars. I mean, people are honking. Her husband, I found out later, her husband would never ride with her. He would never even follow her because he didn't want to see what she was, gonna do. I was going to do. And I'm riding with It was the last time. Okay, after that, I just met her at places. But anyway, but I'm, here I'm riding with her. And she's just, you know, man, she is talking 100 miles and driving. And she takes a turn, and it's the wrong turn. Now we're going in the opposite direction of where we need to go. And she goes, oh, oh, well, I guess God had a purpose for the reason we made that turn. She said, God's in control. And I went, not of this car he's not. Uh-uh. And I said, I said, no. I said, I said, God didn't have a reason for you to turn this way. You made a wrong turn. I mean, in my mind, I didn't say this out loud. I was just, I was just, I almost kissed the ground when we got to where we were going. Because I was happy to be out of the car. But here's my point. Is so many people say God is in control. Okay. Well, if God's in control of this earth, why are there so many problems? Why are there people starving? Why are people dying? Why uh, Why is there war, famine? Why are there uh, hurricanes? Why is there earthquakes? Why are there tornadoes? Okay, well, I want to submit a verse to you. I know I had you go to Matthew 25. Hold your thumb there, your finger there. Go to Psalm 115. Psalm fifteen. In fact, let me go a little more personal. Did God control you this morning? Did he tell you what to put on? What you were going to wear today? Did he... I, I guess God was involved in picking your breakfast this morning. Told you told you what to eat. Told you which way to drive here to Vision Church. Psalm 115, verse 16. Look at this. Look at what it says. It says, heaven belong. I'm going to read it to you out of the NLT. I think on the screen it will be in the New King James Version. The, he- the heavens belong to the Lord. But he has given the earth to all humanity. The heavens belong to the Lord. To the Lord, but He has given the earth to all humanity. So let me submit to you that God is in charge, but He's given control over to humanity. Based on this verse, God's in charge. So let me put it this way when Becca drove for the first time, when when she got her license and she was about to drive, her maiden voyage, and I was gonna hand her the keys to my car. You know, and she, I don't know, she was going to the store or something, but she was going to get out on a very busy road, drive down, go to the store, you know. And, and that, you know, there was some trust factor for me. That was new for me. She had never driven before. And I handed her the keys. And I watched her get in the car, watched her start it, watched her put a seatbelt on, watched her back out, and, and go to the store. Well, how many of you know I'm not in control of the car anymore? Why? I gave her the keys. She's driving the car, but I am in charge. Why? My name's on the title, my name's on the insurance, and I'm dad on top of that. Right? And so God, here he has handed us the keys, he's paid the insurance on this thing, but he has handed the earth to the children of men. That's us. To humanity. That's us. And so whenever you look around and you say, God, why are you allowing this? It's not that God's allowing it as much as it was our job. We're failing in a lot of different areas. You go to a third world country, you know, we've traveled and we've been overseas. We've done mission trips. We've been in very poor areas around, you know, a lot of uh, very, you know, kids drinking things that would make your skin curl, you know. I mean, and you... And you see that and you think in your mind, how could they live like this? How could they live like this? But if you, let me tell you, if you were born there and you grew up that way, you wouldn't know any other way. You'd think, this is, this is life. But you see in, in the hierarchy, you see in the government, people not spending money on the things that they should be spending money on. And these people are paying for it. So how many of you know if we could fix that problem? this problem would go away. Men, I encourage you to go to this Bible study that, uh, that, or this men's group that, that Rod is going to have because I've discovered if you can fix the man problem, most every other problem will go away. Wouldn't have prostitution. You wouldn't have sex trafficking. You wouldn't have a lot of the problems that we have. All right, so that's my submittal to you is that God is in charge, but he's given control of the earth to us think about it from the perspective of of, uh, Adam and Eve remember Adam and Eve in the garden what did God say he said listen I've created this world for you I've created the universe I've created this amazing garden it has every herb bearing seed in it I am giving it to you and now what I want you to do is I want you to make the garden of Eden all over the whole planet I want you to expand I want you to sow the seed into the earth and I want you to multiply I want you to abundantly be prosperous and sow all this. You know, I mean, God gave them everything that they needed, but you're saying in your mind already, yeah, but they messed up. I can hear you. Didn't know I could hear that. No, you're, you're saying that. You're going, to, yeah, but they made a bad decision. They did. They did. But here's the good news you can't mess up anything to the point that God can't fix it in your life. Man. That I'm sorry, I jumped ahead of me myself. Let's go back to Matthew 25. You still got your finger there in Matthew 25? Go back over there. Okay, we're going to read in, in chapter 25 about a parable that Jesus talked about, beginning in verse 14. And it's the parable of the talents. So we see in the parable of the talents that God, I'm sorry, that this master came to three, three people and he gave one five talents, he gave another two talents, he gave a third one one talent. Right? And he said... He said, hey, use those, be abundantly productive with those, and I'm going to come back. And he leaves. So what happens? The one that was given five, he doubles it. He goes out and trades. He's a real smart business. He's real diligent with it, and he gets five more. And then the guy that had two, he doubles his as well. But the one that was given one, he took it, and he buried it in the ground. He was afraid to do anything with it. And so he thought, well... You know, at least he'll get his money back when he comes back. So he didn't do anything. So, so then the master comes back and he calls him. And, and the first guy, he comes before him. He said, look, master, I've doubled mine. And he said, man, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the small things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. And then the second guy comes, the one that had two. And he's doubled his. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the small things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. But then the one guy comes and listen to what he says to the one guy. The guy that had the one. And and so when he came to him, he said, Lord, he said in verse 24, he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid, and I went and I hid the talent in the ground, and look, there's what is yours over there. But the Lord answered and he said to him, he said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered. So you ought to at least put my money in the bank so I could reap it back with interest. So he says to him, you're wicked and you're, man, that's a strong verbiage. You're wicked and you're lazy. Lazy. Why? He was not decisive. He was not decisive. Think about this. The first two guys that he gave the talents to, the... Did he instruct them how to double their talent? You read that anywhere in there? No. But see, everything with God, God wants everything to produce. He wants everything to grow. He wants everything to increase. That's why you read about the Garden of Eden and it's just a, it's just a, a plot of land on this big earth. Because God expected them to expand, to grow, to increase, to have dominion over the earth. And God wants people to have dominion over the earth, but it takes a person that's decisive to have dominion and to produce. And see, this guy, he didn't make any decisions. And, and you know, he might have been sitting around waiting on God, but God was waiting on him the whole time. Listen to what Theodore Roosevelt said. He said, in, in any moment of decision, the best thing that you can do is the right thing. The next best thing that you can do is the wrong thing. The worst thing that you can do is nothing. See, God is not a micromanager. I, I've seen people with different mentalities, people that have an ownership mentality. And I got to give kudos to my kid, to Zach and to Becca, Nicole. They get it from their mom. I, I may have a little of this, but you know, I, I just, I'm going to give credit to her. Um, but they have an ownership mentality, an ownership attitude. They, see, they anticipate what needs to be done and they just go and do it. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. I, I've really learned to appreciate that in people especially people that work for you because they anticipate what needs to happen and much of the time i don't I don't really look into things that they have going on because they're taking care of it they're getting it done well what about an employee that you have to hold their hand through everything you have to teach them everything if you feel like you feel like they monopolize most of your time because you're having to lead them now it's one thing when they learn but What do they not have? They don't have an ownership attitude. They have a consumer attitude. I'm going to call it a consumer attitude. Why? Because they're costing me time. They're costing me money. Because they're not decisive. Hmm. And here's the thing I've learned about God. He's not a micromanager. He's not a micromanager. See, he wouldn't put you in control if he didn't trust that you could make a good decision. Wow. wow, and notice that these servants that had the talents, they multiplied what God gave them to multiply, what the master gave them to multiply, without him having to tell them to do that, without him having to tell them, hey, you know, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start this business. I want you to go down here to this particular market, and I want you to trade, and, you know, if you trade, right? No, they, they, went, they went after it. They took his money. And they invested it, but so many people are afraid to make decisions. And this is something that came up; it's come up over and over with with different people, you know. And I thought, man, when you're afraid to make a decision, what it does is it puts your life on pause, yeah. and you live a life of indecision. And so it puts you in that place that James talks about, where you're double minded. And you're wishy-washy, you're back, and you're forth, and you're back, and you're forth, and you can't. Why? Because you're afraid to make a decision. Well, what if I make the wrong decision? Well, I, d- I think God trusts you. I think God trusts you. See, I found in my life that God will speak to me through his word. But, and then if he wants me to know something in addition to his word, he'll speak to my heart. Because I've got the spirit of the living God on the inside of me. But that doesn't mean that I have to come to God every single time and say, God, what kind of shoes should I wear today? I mean that i 'm afraid to make even the simplest of decisions because i'm god i just I just don't want to well wait a minute, you have the spirit of the living God on the inside of you. He has put him on the inside of you. that means that when you make a decision he'll steer you he'll steer you away from bad deals he'll steer you in to good deals. why because the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, man so Let me, real quickly, I'm going to give you three, see if I have time to do this. Will you guys give me five more minutes? I can can do it in five minutes. You say, oh, yeah, all right, Pastor Phil, here we go. Come on, be nice, would you? All right, just five minutes. uh, That's all I'm asking you for. Three things you need to know about decision-making. Jim Rome said you cannot make progress without making decisions. One is courage, all right? Every decision that you make is not going to be popular, it's not going to be popular with your family. It may not be popular with other people. Think about Caleb and Joshua. They made a decision that was not popular with everybody else. They said, oh, we're absolutely able to go and take the promised land. T.D. Jakes, he, he, he had this in his heart to start a daily uh, TV show, talk show, and then when he got into it, he decided, you know what? I don't really feel like this is God's plan for my life. I don't feel like I I don't feel like I'm on the right format, was what it was. But listen to what he said. He said, but I realized I had to step out to find out. You have to step out to find out. Amen? Steve Furtick, he said that he was interviewed as well. And he said he was going to college. He was pursuing his music degree. He was pouring his life into it. And he said to his dad, he said, dad, what if this is not what God wants me to do? Listen to what his dad said. His dad said, even if this is not the thing, it will lead you to the thing. All right, so don't sit around and put your life on pause just because you're not sure, is this the thing? Man, second thing you need is confidence. First thing was courage. Second thing you need is confidence. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Proverbs 3, 5. I love what Todd White calls it. He calls it Godfinance. What am I talking about? I'm talking about confidence that the Holy Spirit's going to lead you and direct you. You know, that he's going to bring up red flags if this is not the way that you're supposed to go. I remember, I know it's hard to believe, but my wife, she was engaged to another man before me. She hadn't met me yet. Some of you are thinking, no, you you caught her at a weak moment. Probably. But regardless, she, she was getting red flags this whole time that she's engaged to this other man. And, and she didn't want to break it off. And finally, she couldn't ignore the red flags anymore. And she broke it off. And aren't you glad you did, honey? All right. And need I say more? <laughs> I couldn't pass on that off. Listen, confidence is knowing that he will show you the red flags, knowing your value. This is really important. Roy Disney said it is hard to make decisions if you don't know what your values are. You have to know what your values are on the inside. And... Confidence is knowing you made a good decision. Too many Christians, again, second-guess themselves. Look at what Muhammad Ali said. He said, once the decision is made, do not look back. Do not second-guess your decision. Hang in there. Stick with it. Know that God is leading you. But what if, what if God, I'm not sure if God is telling me to do this. Again, God trusts you. He's given you the ability to make decisions. Amen? And then number three is compliance. You might say, compliance? What do you mean compliance? Man, listen. When we are living for God to the point that His priorities become our priorities, His directive becomes our objective, then, man, we'll be making right decisions. We'll be marrying right people. Why? Because you're following his direction. Let me tell you, if you're single in here, you're believing God to be married one day. He has the right person. I didn't say the perfect, I said the right person for you. And you can eliminate a lot of problems in your life just by marrying the right person. huh? Why? Because there's another side to making decisions. Amen. Come on, some of you men missed an opportunity there. Way to capitalize. That was good. You know, but... But there's another side to making decisions. It's not just people that are afraid to make a decision. It's people that make hasty decisions. People that decide too quickly. I'm going to tell you two quick examples and then I'm closing. How about that? Was that five minutes? Ha, ha, ha. I've been rocking it. I can slow down. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. That was funny. So, yeah, glory to God. All right, in, in 1 Samuel 13, 1 Samuel 13, I haven't preached in a while, so I'm a little rusty here. 1 Samuel 13, um, Saul was with his army, and he's confronted by the Philistines. And Samuel had told him, Saul, I'm going to meet you up there on this particular time, this particular day, and we're going to sacrifice an offering to the Lord, and we'll ask God what to do. Man, wouldn't you think that that's a pretty important step to being successful? At overcoming any uh, enemy. And so Saul is waiting. The day comes. No Samuel. The day passes. Samuel didn't come. Some of his army begins to leave. And now Saul's going, whoa, whoa. The pressure is on. And so you know what he decides to do? He decides to do a sacrifice. Himself. Himself. Saul is not supposed to be doing sacrifices. He's not a priest. Samuel is the right one. And so he does the sacrifice. Well, God doesn't speak to him. But Samuel shows up right after the sacrifice is presented. And Samuel said, what have you done? And as a result, God tore the kingdom away from Saul. And he gave it to David. says in Proverbs 28 verse 25 in the Passion Translation. It says, to make rash, hasty decisions shows that you are not trusting the Lord. He wasn't trusting God. Saul wasn't. Was he? More than a hundred years ago, there was a newspaper company by the name of the the compiler. And this is during the Civil War. And so in this newspaper, uh, they were pretty good at keeping up with current events during Civil War time. And so their, their headline would, wouldn't stay on the page any more than three days, which was pretty, that was pretty quick news for back then. And, but they also had advertisements in their newspaper. And one of the advertisements was by R.F. Um, McKinney. And it was for boots and shoes. They were running this special on boots and shoes in this little town. Well, this ad caught the attention of three generals. That were fighting they were confederate generals and the reason was is because their army had been fighting for months and they had come out of their shoes none of them had any boots left or shoes on they were fighting barefoot and so that was real attractive to them they were going to that this little town was only eight miles from where they were so they decided we're going to take 2400 men and we're going to go to this little town and we're going to relieve them of all of their inventory we're going to put boots on our men And so, so one general, he took all of them, these 2,400 men, they go to this town, but as soon as they get on the outskirts of the town, they do some, you know, little reconnaissance, just make sure, you know, there's no Union Army lurking about so that they could go into the town. Well, there were some Union soldiers. There was just a small amount of them, you know, I think, I think it was just maybe about 15 or so. And, but... The the Confederate Army, some of the guys said they heard drums, and so that that what that signified was that they were close the Union Army was and so they didn't want to go into the town so they turned around, they hiked 8 miles back barefoot, so now they've done a total of sixteen miles barefoot marching you know, in the heat, and they're exhausted and they get back, and the second general says, where are the boots? so they told them what happened you know, that they saw the Union uh Uh, soldiers and they they heard drums in the distance so they felt like they were too close and they they didn't feel good about it and so he said well come on let's go meet with General Hill so they went and met with their superior General Hill and so when they talked to him about it Hill let them know that he and General Lee had been talking and and they uh, they were settled they agreed that the Union Army was nowhere around that that was just a small reconnaissance uh, you know group of men and they could have taken them out easily and then got the boots And so the general said, well, he said, well, sir, let me go back. Let me take some men and go back. And so he did. He said, "Okay." And so they got all their men together, and they headed back to this town. Only when they arrived, they weren't expecting a three-day holocaust. Because this little store, this RF McKinney, they had these shoes. The town that they had their business in was Gettysburg. And that was what led to Gettysburg hasty decision. Man, neither one is good. It's not good on this side to not make not be willing to make a decisive choice, a decision to move forward because it puts your life on pause, nor is it good to make a hasty decision because it could put you in Gettysburg. <laughs> I mean, it could put you in a negative situation in your life. But when you're led by the spirit of God, that means when you're born again, when the spirit of God is living on the inside of you, he's given you the ability to make Decisions, And you don't have to sit around and wait. It could be some, t- some of you have been waiting maybe for a long time. You've been praying about something. God hasn't given you an answer on it. And it could be, or could it be because he trusts you to make a decision? Yeah, but what if I make the wrong decision? When I, um, when Nicole and I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, I was working a particular job but I was really felt strong about that I was called to the ministry. And I wanted to start doing more in the ministry. Look for ways that I could volunteer. And my father-in-law was going to different uh, countries. And he was ministering. And back then, he was traveling a lot more. And he said, Phil, why don't you come with me? And why don't you be my worship leader? I said, man, that sounds like a great idea. So, so I was planning my next trip with him, my first trip with him. Uh, and I, I don't remember where it was, but it was going to be cool. I think it was South Africa. And, and I was going to go, and, and I thought, man, I'm going I'm to start traveling with Nicole's dad. This is going to be the ultimate. Well, then I got a call from a pastor in Austin that needed a worship leader. And he said, Phil, I want to fly you down to Austin. I almost didn't return his call. I was like, no, I have my objective. I have my, I've made my decision. I'm, I'm heading in this direction. And I just knew in my heart, That the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, you need, you need to call him back. So I called him back. He flew Nicole and I to Austin, showed us around, showed us our church. I knew that we were supposed to go. Knew knew that I knew that I knew. And I said, Oh, God. Okay. And so I made another choice. But see, that was God. What did I say about? Stephen Furtick, this thing may lead you to this thing. There may be things that God is trying to get you to, but because you're not willing to step out and just make an initial decision, He can't take you to that thing because you won't go to the first thing. When I went to that first thing, God took me to the better thing. He took me to His plan. He saw that I was a car in drive. My dad had a 71 Dodge Challenger, that's my last story and we're done. My dad had a, some of you are looking concerned. My dad had a 71 Dodge Challenger and, you know, this is, when, when it, anyway, I used to get in it, I used to play in it. I, I was, I was Starsky and my friend was Hutch and we would slide across the roof, you know, the hood of the car as much as we could, you know, I was kind of small, couldn't really get up that high, but. Anyway, and we and then we would play Dukes of Hazzard. We climb through the window, you know, and we jump in the car. And I remember, you know, if you've ever pulled on those steering wheels and those that old power steering, you know, and you and you can, it's like the car's not running and it's sitting still. And I mean, you could break an arm <laughs> with, with those because you know you're trying to pull it. It snaps back, you know, when you let it go. What, why am I telling you that? Because the car, car's got to be moving. When the car's moving it's a whole lot easier to steer it when you're moving when you're making decisions when you're when you're doing something god can steer you and he can take you to where you need to be but i feel like some of you have been holding back because you're afraid you didn't you didn't want to step out i asked nicole an unfair question last night i said honey what's what would you say is the number one reason or the, or the biggest reason that people don't want to make decisions? And she said, because they'll have to be responsible for it. I said, you're right. Yeah. And maybe some of you are holding back because you don't want to be responsible. Maybe you don't want to ask Jesus into your heart because you don't want to be responsible to live a non-hypocritical non-hypoc- life. Because you're basing salvation on hypocrisy instead of on a relationship with Jesus the love that you have for him. That's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church vision for life.